Good morning. My name is A.W. Ward. And I want to personally thank each and every one of you for tuning in to our services on this morning. We are certainly living in very trying times, times in which we are forced to separate physically. Nevertheless, we should always strive to be together in unity. And so I want to encourage you to really open up your hearts and minds and receive with meekness this word this morning that is able to save our very souls. We're going to look deep within God's word and ask a very serious question of ourselves. Can our faith withstand the fire? Can our faith withstand the fire? This is the series that we're going to deal with and it will be over a course of four weeks. And so we ask that you continue to tune in each and every week and be encouraged, be equipped, and be enlightened by the Word of God. Now without further ado, listen to the Word of God. Amen. 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 We are very thankful and blessed to have this opportunity to assemble ourselves together this morning to sing these beautiful songs of Zion and to offer praise to the one and only God of heaven. We're very appreciative of each and every one of you that are uh, here with us on this morning, especially those of you that are visiting with us uh, this morning. We're very thankful to have you guys with us this morning, and we want you to know that you are our honored guests. And we hope and pray that something might be said this morning as a source of instruction and a source of encouragement for our hearts. And that if anyone in our audience uh, may realize that they are standing a guilty distance from the cross of Christ, they will have both faith and courage to step out this morning on God's word. We are going into the second lesson or second installment of this new sermon series, of course, entitled, Can Your Faith Withstand the Fire? Our text this morning, again, is coming from Daniel chapters 3, and we want to notice verses 8 through verse 18. And again, that is Daniel chapter 3, noticing verses 8 through verse number 18. Well, the Bible reads, just then, some Babylonian fortune tellers stepped up and accused the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king. You gave strict orders, O king, that when the big band started playing, everyone had to fall to their knees and worship the gold statue. And whoever did not go to their knees and worship, it had to be pitched into a warring furnace. Well, there are some Jews here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have placed in high positions in the providence of Babylon. 
These men are ignoring you, O king. They didn't respect your gods, and they won't worship the gold statue you set up. Furious, King Nebuchadnezzar ordered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought in. When the men were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar asked, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you don't respect my gods and refuse to worship the gold statue that I have set up? I'm giving you a second chance. But from now on, when the big band strikes up, you must go to your knees and worship the statue I've made. If you don't worship it, you will be pitched into a roaring furnace. No questions asked. Who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered King Nebuchadnezzar, Your threat means nothing to us. If you throw us in the fire, the God we serve can rescue us from your roaring furnace and anything else you might cook up, O king. But even if he doesn't, it won't make a bit of difference, O king. We still won't serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. And of course, we continuing the thought, can your faith withstand the fire? Now last week, we began this new sermon series in order to explore the true meaning of having faith in God. We want to get a glimpse into the lives of three men whose words and actions identify them as being faithful to God. In our society today, there are many people who claim that they have faith in God, yet their actions and behavior contradict their words. While there are some who may attend a religious service regularly, there are others who may not attend a religious service at all. Both of them, however, may claim to be Christians. There are also those who don't think of themselves as Christians because they don't believe in organized religion. Yet they see themselves as being spiritual minded. It is because of these kinds of misconceptions and misguided opinions about what it means to love, trust, and have faith in God. Therefore, we need God's word to lead and guide us into a better understanding of God's will for our lives in order to avoid their mistakes. The four major topics that we will discuss during the course of this series are the trouble the trust, the testimony, and the triumph. And again, last week we saw how you can find yourself in a troubling situation that is due to no fault of your own. This helped us to better understand that you don't have to go looking for trouble. It comes looking for you. And life struggles don't define who we are in Christ, 
but they will reveal who we are in Christ. Now today, we want to examine the very essence of faith, which is trust. That is absolutely essential component in our relationship with God. Now, let's consider what Solomon said here in Proverbs chapter 3, noticing verses 5 and verse number 6. Solomon says this, Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, he's the one who will keep you on track. You know, that's very important for us to keep that in mind, what Solomon said. Don't try to figure everything out on our own. That within itself is a mouthful because that is the natural thing for us as human beings to do. Oftentimes, we don't check with God until we done completely and totally messed it up. Amen. That thing is broke beyond repair, and then finally, we will go to God. But you see, we have to grow to the point that God is our first and only option, not the last alternative that unfortunately he is in the lives of many people. Now, man has a tendency, church, to put our faith into tangible things, things that we can see and things that we can touch. However, it is very important that we put our trust in the God we can't see or even understand because he is the God of the resurrection. Church, listen, don't be like Thomas or Martha who lost their hope. Notice what the Bible says in John 20 and 29 and in John 11 and verse number 21. The scripture says, talking to Thomas, Jesus talking after the resurrection, then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. You see, that's what true faith is. Most people's faith, again, is based on what I can see and what I can touch. If I can't see it and I can't touch it, I don't believe in it. Well, that's not always the case. Because right now, there is something happening in this room that we can't see or touch. We see the results of it, but we don't see it. And I mean electricity. Right now, the lights are on in the building, but we don't see the electrical current that's producing the light. The air conditioning is on in the building, yet we don't see electrical current that's, that's, that's driving the air conditioning. You see, we see the results of them. The room is cool and the room is well lit. That is the results, but we still don't see the electricity behind the results. Amen? And you see, so there are things, in fact, that we have faith and we have confidence in that we neither see nor touch. And we depend on every day. Amen? Amen. Now, listen to what happened 
when you remember the story when Lazarus died and Jesus, he came uh, to their home where they were, the sisters, Mary and, and Martha. And, and look at what Martha said to the Lord. Then Martha said unto, unto the Lord, if thou had been here, my brother, notice what she says, had not died. But now Jesus told her something. He says, I am the one who raises the dead and gives them life again. Anyone who believes in me, even though he dies like anyone else, shall live again. He is given eternal life for believing in me and shall never perish. And he asks her, do you believe this? Now, considering the second part of our, of our text, as we said before, which has to do with trust. Trust. What does it mean to have trust in God? The great courage that is revealed in the book of Daniel didn't develop overnight, nor was it created in a vacuum. It was the matured fruit in the lives of that had been forged by life's experiences through the tests and trials of the providence of God, which were seen through faithful obedience to him. Church, listen, when you start talking about trust in God, trust in God should be visible because it should manifest itself in our actions and in our attitudes that should be able to be identified by all. Amen? Now remember, the courage and perseverance showed by these faithful men in our text are a testimony of the power rather, and value of good home training. Because their faith was first tested when they were children. That is why we must instill this kind of faith in our children so that they will be prepared to face the many trials that life will bring. And of course, that's in Daniel chapter 1, verses 3 through verse number 17. For those that perhaps may remember the story that uh, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had been captured from Jerusalem, had been taken captive, and they were to be trained in the court of King Nebuchadnezzar. And if you recall the story, that uh, they were going to, they were offered the very best of food and drink as being people that was going to be in his court. Yet because the food and the drink went against God's law for his people, those teenagers, and that's who they were, church. They were not grown people. Those were teenage boys. Those teenage boys rejected the very best of food and the very best of drink in order to maintain their faith in God. Now, church, that's why I said this is a homegrown faith. This is something that obviously these young people were taught, number one, and something that they had seen, number two. It wasn't just words, because I want you to think about it for a second. What young person 
is going to turn down the very best of food, steaks and pork chops and whatever kinds of uh, other great meats and drinks for vegetables and water. Who would choose that? You got a choice of a steak dinner or a can of soup. Which one you gonna pick? You're gonna pick the steak dinner. You're gonna pick the very best of things. Am I right? But these young men, because they knew that the food that the king was offering was not food that was authorized by God's law. And so yet they turned it down. And in your leisure, you ought to go back, if you haven't already, and read Daniel chapter 1, 3 through 17. Because it's a, it's a very interesting thing to see that when they stepped out on faith and put their trust in God, that God showed them favor. Because the amazing thing was, even though all they had was vegetables and water, their physical condition was better than the young people that was eating the steak dinners, if you will. The young people that was eating the best of the food, these young men looked better and were smarter and wiser than the people that was eating the best of food. And the Bible says why? Because God showed them favor. But God's favor was showed after they showed their faith. Did y'all hear me this morning? And that's why it's important for you to take time to go back and read this. God showed them favor, but he showed them favor after they showed their faith. It's very important. Now, church, listen. We must plant in them, talking about our young people, what we want to harvest. If we want to harvest young people that are faithful to God, that love the Lord, that are committed to his cause, that's what we have to plant. And when you start talking about planting, it has to be not just our words, but it must also be our actions so that our young people can see it demonstrated. And that way they will know what faith is based on what they've seen demonstrated in our lives, not just words coming out of our mouths. Amen? Listen to what James says in James chapter 1, noticing verses 2 to verse number 4. James says this, Dear brothers, is your life full of difficulties and temptations? Look at, look at what his answer is. Then be happy, for when the way is rough, notice now, your patience has a chance to grow. Now notice again what he says. When the way is rough, your patience has a chance to grow. So let it grow. And don't try to squirm out of your problems. For when your patience is finally in full bloom, then you will be ready for anything, strong in character, full and complete. You see, trials and temptations have a spiritual purpose. Even though they may be unpleasant for us to go through, they do have a spiritual purpose of refining our lives. When our faith is tested, church, we too must put our lives totally into the Lord's care. We must take our stand on the word of God no matter the cost. This is what it means to love 
and trust the Lord. You see, many people want to be a Christian only when it's convenient. Only when they're in certain, certain crowds, then all of a sudden they want to be a Christian. But see, Christianity is not just words that are spoken. Christianity is a life that is lived. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 and noticing verses 3 through verse number 4. The Bible says this, loving God means doing what he tells us to do. Do y'all see that? Loving God means doing what he tells us to do. And really, that isn't that hard at all. For every child of God can obey him. Now notice, when we obey him, what happens? We are be able to defeat sin and evil pleasures by trusting Christ to help him. You see that? That's how we're able to defeat sin. That's how we're able to overcome the stresses and the trials and things in life. It is not by our intellect. It is not by our education. It is not by our status in society. It is about our faith in God. Now, let's look back at our text again in order to see the benefits of having true faith in God. Remember, it will be seen through our actions, and our attitudes, because it will line up with the will of God, even when facing certain death. And our text again, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, Nebuchadnezzar, your threat, now notice what they said, your threat means nothing to us. Now consider what we're talking about. We're talking about being thrown into a fiery furnace. And yet these young men said that your threat means nothing. If you throw us in the fire, the God we serve, notice what he says, can rescue us. They didn't say he will. They said he's able. He can rescue us from your roaring furnace. And anything else that you might throw at us. But notice what he says. But even if he doesn't, it won't make a bit of difference. We still won't serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. You see, that's faith under fire. Literally. That's faith under fire. Notice what these men said. That God we serve is able. But church, there are things that we're going to go through in life that's going to be unpleasant. Even though God is able to rescue us from it, he does not necessarily always rescue us from things. Amen? And so in so doing, these men are showing us truly what faith is. They say, listen. We're not going to worship your gods. We're not going to bow down. Now, we know God is able to save us. But even if he don't, we still are not going to bow down to your gods. You see, that has to be, that has to be our faith in God. That it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that I got some kind of physical ailment. It doesn't matter that I'm dealing with financial issues. It doesn't matter that I'm dealing with family issues. Yes, I know God can save me, 
But even if God does not change my physical condition, even if God don't fix my bank account, even if God don't save my job, I am still going to trust him. See, that's where we have to grow to, that regardless of what may be transpiring, we're going to trust God in spite of it all. Notice what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 10 and noticing verse number 28. The Bible says this. Jesus is talking. He says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They can't touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and the body in hell. So a lot of times we, 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 let, we let fear drive us, peer pressure, and things of that nature. We have to trust God. We can't worry about what people think and what people say and people's opinions. We got to stick with the Lord. Listen to what Solomon said in Proverbs 29 and 25. Solomon says this, the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whosoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. You see, oftentimes that's what traps us, is our fear of what man may think, or what man may say, or what man may do. We have to trust God regardless of what man thinks, what man thinks, or what man says. Listen to what the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews 11 and 6. The Bible says this, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them, notice, that diligently seek him. We have to be looking for God in order to find him. If we're not looking for God, we're not going to find God. That's very, very important for us to understand. We have to be diligently seeking God in our lives in order for us to see the God that's right there before us. Because God is always there. But the issue is, is us being able to understand he's there. And that comes through us honestly and sincerely looking for God and showing our faith in God. Listen to what Isaiah said. This is important. Isaiah makes this statement, and I think that all of us need to uh, ground within our hearts. Isaiah says this, you, talking about God, will keep in perfect peace. Notice, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts, notice, are fixed on you. Listen to what Isaiah says, church, and this is important. Isaiah says that God is able to keep us in perfect peace. You know what perfect peace is? That is a peace that is completely unbothered and undisturbed by what's going on around us. The issues of life doesn't phase us at all. That's what perfect peace is. And the Bible says that God is able to keep us in perfect peace. But now notice who he's talking about. He's talking about those who fix their minds on the Lord. You see, the problem with us, we're too easily distracted. That's, that's our big problem. Any little thing comes along, distracts us. 
it throws us off. We'll, we'll start looking at it rather than looking at God. We have to keep our minds fixed on God, and it doesn't matter what comes along. It doesn't matter what happens, because listen, we, we not, we're not able to change our own situations. As a matter of fact, the Bible says we're not able to direct our own steps, Jeremiah 3.23. You see, but what we can do is trust in God to lead and guide us in the way he would have us to go. Because if we're, if we're trying to uh, follow after this world, the only thing the world is going to do is lead us into the pit. We have to stay focused on God and not so easily distracted by all of the inconveniences and all of the complications that this life may bring. Church, listen, it is important for us to take note of the fact that the crowd feared the king whom they saw rather than the God whom they didn't know. And so it is with the world today. The crowd still follows the flow of everyone else. They blindly build their lives consumed and concerned only with their survival. However, the faithful stood tall when everyone else bowed down. The faithful church are usually a few, but the crowds are many. You see, when everybody else is going with the flow, it's only going to be the faithful that's going to stand their ground. It's only going to be the faithful that's going to look to Jesus in spite of what everybody else may be doing. Listen to what the Bible says. Jesus talking in John chapter 10. Jesus says this. You don't believe because you're not my sheep. My sheep recognize my voice. I know them, and they follow me. You see, it's not until a person decides that they want to become a follower of God that they can even recognize the voice of God. That is the reason why there are times that you can talk to people and study with people the word of God, and it don't seem to mean anything to them. The reason for that is they are not seeking God. Remember, God is a reward of them that diligently seek him. Now, we may be seeking God on their behalf, but church, that's not going to work. They're going to have to be seeking God for themselves. And that's why when you present the gospel message to them, it seems just like water on the proverbial duck's back. It has no phase whatsoever because this is not something they want for themselves. Now, oftentimes, yes, we may want it for our friends and family and other relation members. But the question is, do they want it themselves? Because if they don't want it, the word of God makes no sense to them whatsoever. It takes the Holy Spirit to cause a person to understand what the word of God says, because the Bible is a spiritual book. Remember, we read several months ago that the natural man receives not the things of God, for they are foolishness unto him. You see, a person that's not looking for God, they cannot see what you're talking about. They can't see the things that you're sharing, even though they're reading it. They still don't see it. And the reason why they don't see it is because they're not looking. 
They are not looking for God. A person has to be a seeker of God. Think back to all of the accounts in the book of Acts. When people obeyed the gospel, it wasn't done haphazardly. It was done as a result of them looking for God. Think about the Ethiopian eunuch who was reading the scriptures on his way home from Jerusalem, on his way back from worship, reading in Isaiah. Yet he did not understand what he was reading. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch says, how can I? Least some man should guide me. And when Philip got alongside him and read in the scripture, the very same scripture that he had previously been reading, all of a sudden, the man's eyes become open. How do we know that? Because the man asked a question. The man asked this question. See, here is water. What do hinder me from being baptized? Where did this man get this idea to be baptized? Because the Holy Spirit showed him something in the very words he had previously been reading. It was there all the time. And when Philip began to teach the word of God, it cleared up his understanding to the point that he recognized that he needed to be baptized. And he said, look, there's some water. Is there anything that's in my way? And Philip said, well, if you believe with all your heart, you can be baptized. And the eunuch said, I believe that Christ is the Son of God. And he immediately baptized him. Now, church, listen. That is why the presence of faith alone isn't enough. Everyone lives, or rather lives their life, based on faith in something. Do we know that? Everybody lives their lives with faith in something. We may have faith in our society position. We may have faith in our jobs. We may have faith in other people. But everybody lives their lives having faith in something. Okay? However, faith in God is both living, growing, and it is active. True faith isn't frightened by threats or impressed by large crowds. True faith obeys the Lord and trusts him to work out the consequences. You see, oftentimes, this is where the problem comes in at. We won't move on faith until we see how it's going to work out. Well, if it's waiting on you to see it, you're going to be messed up. The issue is not about you seeing how it's going to work out. The issue is you trusting God to work it out on your behalf. That is why the Bible says in Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for the good. That them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Trusting God, church, means to obey him regardless of the feelings we may have within us, the circumstances that may be around us, or the consequences that may lay before us. We have to trust God regardless. That's what it means to grow and have a confident faith in Christ. That's what it means. The lesson is yours this morning. If we have anyone this morning that have never obeyed the gospel, you come to God by, first of all, having faith in God, repentance of your sins, confessing Christ to be the Son of God, and be willing to be baptized for the remission of your sins. If you are a Christian, you are straight away. You come back, first of all, by acknowledging. The Bible says 
that the prayers of the righteous are barely much. So you first going to have to acknowledge your shortcomings and then be willing to change your mind and change your actions. And then God will restore you back into full fellowship of the fold. If you're subject to the Savior's invitation, let it be known we together stand and sing.